Welcome to the Citizens for Health radio show on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts, Jim Turner and Peter Mingles. Make sure you check us out by clicking on the Citizens for Health radio show link on buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Citizens for Health provides over 100,000 supporters with consumer news, action alerts, and opportunities to take action. For nearly two decades, Citizens for Health has been a nonprofit pioneer in the natural health freedom movement. The Citizens for Health Education Foundation offers tools to inform the public of health issues and educate and influence policymakers. Jim Turner is here to spread the word about some of the most interesting topics that can affect your world, from the dangers of mislabeled or dangerous products to the questions and concerns of vaccines. You'll want to listen to Jim as he speaks on behalf of Citizens for Health. And now, on to our show with Jim Turner and Peter Mingle. Take it away, Peter. Hello, everyone. Peter Ingalls here. You're listening to us on Building Fortunes Radio. For those people unfamiliar with my voice, my name is Peter Ingalls. On Friday at noon, I get a chance to share a microphone with a great gentleman. His name is Jim Turner. Jim runs an organization called Citizens for Health, and they have a really great website, citizens.org. And if there were one thing that you do today, you can consider your life successful by my definition for today. If you go to citizens.org, and you sign up for Jim's newsletter. So go to citizens.org. Again, if the only thing you did today was this, then chances are you'll be more successful, at least by my working definition on a Friday, April 1st, by the way, um, that you go there and you sign up for the newsletter because he's got some really great information that comes through his organization. I've learned so much, quite honestly, ahead of, the t- uh, ahead of most other people that I know in our industry uh, from the things that Jim's organization fights and the stuff that he lets us know about. We've talked about... GMOs, we've talked about high fructose corn syrup, we've talked about vaccines, we've talked about everything from mercury fillings to all natural products. We've done some really great radio shows on Zapni, which is an all natural product that helps people with acne. And we even had a separate radio show with that stuff. So I love having Jim Turner here on our radio show because he helps our listeners with so many different things. And many of our listeners are home-based business entrepreneurs, so they're entrepreneurs and then they deal with home-based businesses, and a lot of them are interested in health and nutrition. And these are some of the things that just are not spoken about at company meetings, conventions, or rah-rah recruiting sessions. So, Jim, thanks for being here on Building Fortunes Radio on the very special Citizens for Health radio section. So thanks for being here, Jim. Happy, uh, I guess, Well, I'm glad glad to be here, Peter. Uh, Whenever we can get together, it's it's great. Uh, Yeah, it is April Fool's Day, and... uh, I don't know that there's any great April Fool's things to say about food. We have the same problems today that we've always had. But uh, why don't we get started on whatever you think we should discuss today? Absolutely. We've been kind of like high on that topic of GMOs, so genetically modified organizations. Or organizations. Organizations, <laughs> maybe. Right. Organisms, right. yeah. So uh, I, only because I've been looking at the FDA, so I was thinking about organizations. But the GMO movement is something that's probably one of the most controversial and misunderstood. Talk about ignorance on fire probably from many sides out there. So we try to kind of put some things into perspective here over at the Citizens for Health to kind of share with people what what is happening. And, um, you know, I have my own versions, if you will, or my own opinions and a little bit of my own evidence, I suppose, as far as what where my medical, where my beliefs are with GMOs. But I grew up as a biology major when I was in college. So that doesn't mean anything. It's like, you know, I stayed at a Red Roof Inn, you know, and maybe I'm not an expert at the hotel industry. But a little bit of common sense goes a long way. And I remember in my biology classes, you know, we were talking about DNA, and we were talking about 
the fragile nature of a cell, and I think about, you know, all the things that are happening and all the things that could potentially happen. And I remember now all of the intricacies that we learn every day about how the human body works and how these genes work together with these chemicals and how this can happen and all of those influences that many people just aren't thinking about. And then we have some scientists who, who are probably pretty smart and probably nice, many of them nice people that are sitting there tinkering with this stuff, which I don't mind because they probably improve some stuff. But then we're all being used, if you will, as guinea pigs for this GMO experiment. And not that I'm going to quote a great philosophizer, but George Carlin, the great comedian, said he doesn't trust anything the government says. So I'll go from I trust a little bit to I don't trust anything. Somewhere in the middle, depending on the topic, is where Peter Mingles is at. But, Jim, I got a real concern about all this GMO stuff that they're feeding into the, uh, the ecosystem and what the real impact is going to be on people or what the real impact is going to be on things. And it's just a really interesting time how things are shaping up and there's some resistance or not, there's some improvements or maybe some not. So there was just recently a challenge from the FDA or the FDA is being challenged on their ability or their authority to now, Jim, they're actually GMOing living, breathing organisms and people, like not people rather, but animals that we're eating and consuming. So there's a big dust up over here, and I'm sure it's going to keep continuing for, you know, the near and well, far future. So can you explain a little well, bit phase, about the GMO dilemma? Phase one of the battle, phase one of the battle was getting the labeling on. Now that's been, you know, a 15-year battle, and it's, uh, it's now uh, shifted, and uh, I would think that uh, – Labeling GMO products is um, is now, I think, pretty much in inevitability. That's primarily because, as we talked last week, uh, large segments of the food industry have backed away from supporting Monsanto on the GMO question, uh, the GMO question being labeling of GMOs. And so you've got, um, you've got large um, uh, food companies that are uh, announcing that they're going to label GMOs. And the label GMO project has been going along quite well uh, with many companies signing up. Um, and then um, there are some fascinating um, sub-issues that, that emerge. The big question now is how is the public going to respond to the GMO label? Um, as much as uh, well, well over 80% of the public has been uh, so skeptical about GMOs. Um, they want labeling, they want to know, and then they want to start making choices. And uh, if, the, if, there's a, if there's a big backlash of buying so that people stop buying GMO products, that will create some kind of, a, uh, of an issue. And, in fact, uh, um, when um, Vermont passed its law and uh, judges upheld it uh, last year, 2015, uh, the Wall Street Journal itself said that this was going to wreak havoc in the food industry. And uh, I think we're right at the um, we're right at the doorway of that issue, because uh, it would seem to me that, given that there are now um, there is no law blocking any state from doing a GMO labeling, and we have one state that has done that, Vermont, that um, the companies are going to have to start thinking about whether they label just for Vermont or whether they use the GMO label across the country, particularly given that. 80% of the public is uh, interested in being having the labels. And what's happening now is major companies, one after another, 
are saying they will put the, the uh, GMO-labeled label on their product containing GMOs. Now, um, that then starts the public discussion about what does it mean to have GMOs in uh, products, you know, to, to, to modify them. That debate is a very, very uh, complex and interesting um, set of issues. You mentioned animals. So um, the FDA approved uh, GMO salmon, oh, about a year ago, roughly. And um, it was a very interesting political dust-up because uh, <clears throat> the Alaska senator was outraged, uh, A, because the FDA didn't even tell her that they were going to do this. And then they went ahead and did it. Now there's a very interesting question as to how do you contain the GMO salmon in the farm-raised salmon pens that they have. Uh, the, the, the next big issue, the next one in the cluster of issues is what happens uh, if uh, some GMO-treated uh, salmon get out into, the, out into the wild water and start um, mating with salmon that aren't GMO-affected? Does that spread the whole GMO alteration through the entire salmon world. That's not something <clears throat> that the FDA is happy about having happen. It's certainly not something the public's interested in. And then the big question comes, how do you label it if you, if you do that? Wild salmon would no longer be GMO-free. These are, these are it's, like an, it's like a cascading set of issues. And at the core is this very um, interesting human characteristic which is that uh, whatever we know is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And um, we don't ever have to worry about the fact that there may be things that we haven't learned. Uh, there may be un unintended consequences. Uh, there may be things that happen that uh, we can't undo later on. Um, and then there are, there are you know, subset issues, such as um, when you take one species um, of uh, gene and cross it with another species. What does that do? Is that different than if you um, if you put an apple tree, uh, put an apple branch on a pear tree? Uh, we're pretty comfortable with that. But uh, what if you take butterfly genes and put them in some kind of a uh, animal? Uh, those are uh, issues that uh, have um, been percolating around inside the cl uh, cluster of issues, and um, we're nowhere near figuring out how to deal with that. Um, uh, in particular, uh, it, just have to understand what, she, what Monsanto is saying. They're saying we can make a plant that resists our Roundup. It resists our pesticide. Therefore, we can spray a field that has plants that have been genetically modified and weeds, and our spray will only kill the weeds. And that argument is, uh, A, suspect, not necessarily true, but, B, it raises a whole lot of questions. For example, how does that cut down on the use of pesticides on those fields? In fact, it appears that it increases those use of pesticides. And then the next issue becomes what happens to the actual yield of product from those fields. Again, it appears like it's lower than the yields when you don't spray all that pesticide and don't genetically engineer the plants. Um, all in all, it's a huge, huge experiment going on 
about the fundamental nature of the food supply. And um, pretty much the public has been excluded from that. Um, the FDA is very, very, very under, under-resourced to handle these kinds of issues. All the FDA does is a couple of people look at what the industry tells them, and then they decide whether the industry has told them the truth or not and whether the truth they've heard uh, raises any issue that should cause them to delay moving forward. And so far, um, it does not look like the FDA really has the uh, resources to actually unpack all of the issues that are involved in something like GMO salmon. So we're in a very uh, interesting unfolding issue here, and uh, it is a rudimentary issue. It goes right at the nature of what's uh, right at the heart of what is the nature of being alive, what is the nature of life. And um, these guys that work in these companies and particularly laboratories, they just love to play with that idea. And uh, unfortunately, they aren't the only ones that are affected by their by what they come up with. And uh, we as the public uh, really need to fight to be involved in the debate. And uh, so far, uh, finally, the door is opened and there is now some real debating that can be carried out. But that's where we seem to be on the GMO issue. And it's going to get more and more intense, I think. Well, it's um, it's it's all over the place. And um, like I'll, I'll use as an example, this is a specific reference to a an article that was written in the Wall Street Journal, so this wasn't the National Enquirer or the Star, and it was just dated today. It says FDA challenged on GMO animals, and talk about where this is kind of going all over the place. Um, you know, they were talking about um, there's an environmentalist group or there's groups of people that are actually challenging the FDA's authority, uh, which probably also means like their competence, on being able to approve genetically modified animals used for food, but also there's a whole bunch of stuff. So you mentioned salmon, there's been trout, there's hornless dairy cows, so they're trying to figure out a way to make sure, I guess, so cows don't grow horns. Then in Florida, what they're doing, Jim, is because of this Zika virus scare, they're genetically modifying mosquitoes as a pesticide-free way to be able to, somehow affect the mosquitoes that might be spreading the word on Zika virus. And, you know, every time you turn around, there's another, you know, Zika, the uh, mosquitoes that carry the Zika virus are now they're in New York and they're in Las Vegas. And they went from just Latin America to all over the place as some spring kid, a spring uh, vacation kid was kind of like traveling all over the place. So the the challenge is it's kind of like moving too fast, like it's all over the place. And I don't want to sound like Donald Trump relative to like stop all the Muslims from coming into the United States. They're just moving too fast, and I really don't. I really don't know or understand if they're going to be able to manage that correctly. Because once you start dealing with like mosquitoes, now I'm not pro mosquito at all. I live in I live in Florida, and I've seen the amazing amount of pesticides that they must have been spraying in Florida to be able to kill all the mosquitoes. Because at dusk time, in the section that I lived when I first moved down here 18 or 19 years ago, you could not walk outside without being attacked by a mosquito. Today, you can walk around probably with your shirt off and uh, everything and never be attacked by a mosquito in my section of Florida. So they spray constantly. There's no more mosquitoes. Oh, by the way, I also didn't tell you that there's no more birds, relatively speaking. Oh, and I haven't seen a butterfly like I saw when I was 19 years, you know, 19 years ago. I haven't seen a lot of things. So in essence, when you start screwing around with one thing, 
you start affecting a lot of other things. And I'm not kidding, Jim. We used to have these uh, love bugs, they used to call them. In September, they'd splatter all over the place. In late August, early September, they were mating. But since they've been doing the pesticide spraying from the mosquitoes, you can't even find love bugs anymore. So, yeah, so great. There's no mosquitoes, but there's no love bugs. There's very few birds. The only birds that we're going to see around here are seed-eating, not insect-eating. So even the lizards are kind of gone. So if that's what they did with pesticides, what's going to happen when they do something genetically modifying something they can't stop? So I, I don't know. I think those are legitimate questions, and I don't think I'm loony. Well, those are. They're, of... they're very legitimate questions, and uh, uh, the issue so far uh, has been that uh, we're basically, uh, as the public, excluded from being involved in those issues. That's basically what's been uh, happening with uh, hiding the um, the fact that a product is uh, it does contain GMOs. Uh, it is um, it is uh, why uh, massive uh, amounts of uh, chemical industry resources have gone into blocking state laws to make this uh, information known. Um, the information uh, uh, the information dam I think is is breaking right now. Uh, most importantly, uh, with the food industry having backed off from uh, walking down the same path as the uh, chemical industry. But the fundamental issues have not been addressed. And the, the basic issue uh, in, uh, in the uh, uh, legal framework uh, revolves around the question whether what's being done with GMOs engages the food additive laws. The GMO uh, process, the whole thing, has gotten on the market uh, without going through any safety testing by the FDA. There's no, there are no requirements. Um, the the basic argument that the FDA laid out early on uh, in the uh, early 90s uh, was that um, there's no significant difference between basically uh, grafting a limb of a pear tree onto an apple tree. There's no difference between that, which is widely accepted and clearly understood compared to GMOs, and genetically modifying the cellular level of foods. The FDA said there's basically no difference between those things. And so the whole process that has to go on uh, for food additives is not, does not get carried out uh, in the GMO issue. There's there's none of the kind of I mean there's 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 efforts to modify you know there's controls over where the product can be planted and there's efforts to have test fields and there's efforts to show that the word thing works and uh, but it does not go through the kind of um, regulatory process where you have a a notice to the public and then the public gets to file comments and scientists gets to get to comply uh, to comment and so forth none of that actually exists in the full blown way for um, GMOs as it does for other food additives. Um, basically, um, the industry took over the FDA control of that particular area. The FDA is weak in, in every area. That is, the FDA resources are far in, far weaker than uh, the in, uh, resources of the industry anyway. And then the relatively weak resources that the agency has were blocked out by the food industry on the GMO question. And then, uh, of course, the whole wing of the food industry, the whole wing of, the, of corporate America, the chemical industry, the food industry, really backed the idea of pushing these things into the food supply. Uh, they made a bunch of specious arguments. The GMOs are going to feed the world. 
uh, it's just not true. They, uh, it looks it looks like um, the production of GMO foods actually is less than, uh, than non-GMO food production, and there are many, many more um, robust ways to produce food um, by reducing pesticides and reducing uh, GMOs would be an important part of that, and uh, generally planting in a much more uh, agriculturally sound basis. All of that's there to be done, but the uh, but the corporate world is pushing hard to get these GMOs out there with a bunch of arguments because it's a big market for them. I mean, if they can sell GMO food um, and GMO seeds, if they can sell GMO seeds and then sell their pesticides to use on the GMO seeds, they've really expanded their market. Uh, And as I say, it may well be that the tipping point in this issue has occurred uh, with the food industry beginning to carve out an area that's separate from or a set of policies that are separate from the chemical industry, um, but we're we're in for a long sorting out of what this has all meant. Um, and at the, at the at the bottom line, there does not seem to be any uh, significant evidence that um, establishes that food production will be increased by using GMO uh, techniques. And that's the core argument that's made from the industry side. In fact, the reason that the chemical industry wants this is that they can use their uh, pesticide products on these plants and and save them. Save them. You know, they can use the pesticides in the plants. Plants won't be harmed by the pesticides, and they're in great shape. Um, it's a it's a the GMO salmon issue allows them to raise salmon in in farms, salmon farms. That's uh, easier to manage than raising salmon in the wild. And it's interesting that the salmon farm question is uh, in itself problematic because long ago there was a distinction discovered and studied very carefully between the kinds of fat that are in salmon and fish in general and the kinds of fat that are in beef. And generally it was concluded that feeding grain to beef created a kind of fat that was less healthy than the fat that you get from salmon. So there got to be a strong uh, generalized feeling that eating salmon or fish was positive because it had this better fatty acid. Then when they created the salmon farms, the managers of the salmon farms began to feed grain to the salmon with the result being that the kind of fatty acids that were in the salmon began to be the same as those that were in the beef. And the health benefits began to disappear. And um, I do not know yet how the GMO issue fits into that fact, but I do know that a lot of the things that are out there uh, like uh, you know, baked grains and so forth are on the GMO path, and um, they're just trying to GMO the whole food thing and get rid of the distinctions that allow people to learn how to eat healthy food. And um, the GMO issue is right at the heart of the debasing the food supply. 
This is this is uh, this is important things I guess for people to educate themselves on and uh, could be the difference between you know uh, better health or lesser health and who knows I think it's a big question mark for the whole entire industry. Jim, we're going to run well, our staffing commercial. We should, yeah, well, yes. we should follow that uh, lawsuit. That'll be a very interesting seat to see what happens with yep. that. Yep, absolutely. We're going to do a little commercial on the Zapni product. Zapni is an all-natural product that was used, and I'm going to let Jim tee this off. But what you're going to hear next is you're going to hear a commercial that we did from our Zapni radio show. And if you go to network, uh, I'm sorry, if you go to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash Zapni, Z-A-P-N-E, you'll be able to actually hear the radio shows that we've done with the formulator and the owner of the company who's building the uh, sales force and the product line for Zapni, which is, again, this all-natural acne product. So, Jim, do you want to tee off this commercial? Yes, this is, a, this is an important uh, natural product that uh, um, is from a freshwater lake in Russia. It's been used uh, for 100 years for skin care in that part of the world, and uh, it uh, is a much less harsh way of dealing with acne. It's, it's less demanding and more effective. And um, uh, we are very um, strongly supporting it and would urge everyone to um, listen to this ad and then um, maybe um, go to the website and uh, buy some and try it. That's Um, right. You go to citizens.org and then you go to the store and you'll be able to buy it. Well, let's let's play the commercial. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the Zapni Radio Show, brought to you by Citizens for Health on buildingfortunesradio.com with Dr. Gregory Robertson and Peter Mingles. This special segment can be heard again with almost any device by going to buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Zapni is the all-natural treatment for acne. This new product, Zapni, is a product anyone with acne can use with great results after only one treatment. It takes only 15 minutes to apply once a week as needed. Zapni is an all-natural alternative to harsh chemicals that are difficult to apply and can be potentially harmful. You can find out more by going to zapni.com. When ordering Zapni, please do it through the store for Citizens for Health on the website www.citizens.org or through the link on the Zapni show segment on buildingfortunesradio.com. Dr. Gregory Robertson is here and actively building a sales force to spread the word about Zapni. Visit buildingfortunesradio.com and click on the Zapni radio show link to learn more and hear our archived radio shows. Thanks for listening to Zapni Radio. And now back to our show. Okay, Peter Ingles here. we got Jim Turner. We're talking about GMOs and the ongoing challenges associated with this. And for whatever reason, I think if, if we use a driving a car analogy, it's kind of like, you know, if you ever look down on the road and you, you watch the pebbles go by, if you had the car door open when you were a kid or not paying attention, and then all of a sudden it's going faster and faster and faster, it's really becoming more like a big blur. So all over the place, the... GMO modification of the mosquito trial for whatever they're going to do with the Zika thing, uh, the stuff that they're doing with vaccines, the stuff that they're doing with other chemicals, the stuff that they're doing with our food. Jim, it's all over the place. Like, it is all over the place. And like I was quoting, you know, some famous political politician, now it became political politician, like in reference to his misquotes about Muslims. Like, stop them. Like, you got to stop it before it continues happening because you don't really have a handle on this. Not that his quote towards Muslims was correct, but in reference to this, I think we need to slow it down because I don't know who's really controlling this. And I'm not a politician nor am I a research scientist, but a lot of this stuff takes a lot of common sense. So over to you. And you have uh, one minute, and then we're going to wrap up our show. Well, I was just going to say that the, um, that the lawsuit that was filed on GMOs was filed by the Center for Food Safety 
a very strong uh, consumer group here in Washington, Ally of Citizens for Health. We support their work. Uh, and uh, it would be very useful to just go to their website and take a look at it. That's the Center for Food Safety, and I believe the entire lawsuit, a 64-page lawsuit, is filed, uh, is posted there. So um, uh, you go there and take a look at it. They're making the uh, basically the arguments that, uh, that I kind of sketched out for you here today, and I do think it will be a very interesting um, uh, unfolding legal action. They're, uh, they're, they're strong lawyers. And uh, in this instance, they're uh, joined with some uh, environmental groups, fishing, fishing groups, and uh, the uh, Earth Justice is a co-plaintiff uh, with them, so that uh, are representing the plaintiffs. So I think it's a very, very important uh, thing to look at and uh, and get involved with. Uh, just follow it, and uh, we'll we'll follow it too, and post things in our newsletter and on our website about it. But this is a probably the cutting edge issue for GMOs for the moment. Absolutely. So go to citizens.org, that's C-I-T-I-Z-E-N-S dot O-R-G, and join that newsletter. Jim, thanks for being here, and we're going to catch you next week. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Talk to you later. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Citizens for Health radio show, brought to you by Citizens for Health on buildingfortunesradio.com with Jim Turner and Peter Mingle. Thanks for listening. For nearly two decades, Citizens for Health has been a nonprofit pioneer in the natural health freedom movement. Go to www.citizens.org to learn more and always listen in to Building Fortunes Radio, where our special host, Jim Turner, shares crucial information about many of the most important issues that affect your world. Citizens for Health provides over 100,000 supporters with consumer news, action alerts, and opportunities to take action. So listen in, get involved, and help spread the word. Be sure to check out the buildingfortunesradio.com website to hear more Citizens for Health segments with Jim Turner and Peter Meagle. And read about what's new on www.citizens.org. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. Jim Turner, Peter, and I want to say thanks for listening and ask you to go spread the word. Tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.